I was reared in a Christian home. Father and mother believed in God's promises. They hadn't categorized it or formulated as ABC. We've done merely to help people to remember it. But they believed God's promises. They believed the Lord. Well, I was reared in a family where they expected miracles. I remember that when I was six years old, my mother was dying of a heart attack, valvular leakage of the heart. She was 42. We clustered around, claimed a Bible promise. Malachi 3, 8 to 12, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And we asked God to do it, and we just believed he, he would. Isn't it something to be that simple, to just take God in his word? And God healed my mother right on the spot. You know how I know it? She lived to be almost 102, two years before she died. She said, Glenn, I don't have an ache nor pain. And I kind of joshed her a little. I said, wait till you get to be my age, mother. Not an ache nor pain, almost 102. This is God. He's not a God looking down his nose to say, look, look at all the mistakes you made. And you remember you came forward once and the next day you made another mistake. This is not God. God forgives and God has a forgiving spirit even before people ask. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Who? The ones who are crucifying him. He said, I'll send the sunshine and the rain on the good and the bad. I love everybody because I am love. I love that kind of a God, don't you? You know, all of these prayers that are, uh, that are, if it be thy will prayers, you know what's wrong with them? They major, too many major in the commitment instead of majoring in faith. Let's stop majoring in commitment and major in faith and still minor in the commitment. Lord, I'll be satisfied with whatever you do, but how can I expect it unless I believe in a God of love, you see? And if I don't get it the way I expect it, it'll not change my attitude at, toward you at all. But how can I believe unless I believe? And reach right out and say, thank you. When I was teaching church school before I entered the ministry, I was thrilled with some statements on page 122 of Ministry of Healing. Thrilled me beyond words. Just, I was so thrilled. Talk about the promises. Page 122, Ministry of Healing. If you want to find something that'll just thrill your soul through and through, it says that we're to take God's promises as though he were looking right at us. He's calling us by name is the idea. Speaking to us. He said, Pete, this is for you. How do you like that, Pete? This is for you. You're to take it just as though he were looking you right in the eyes and saying, Pete, this is for you. That's the way to claim promises. It says there's nothing on earth that has such healing power as God's promises. God's promises heal the body, they heal the soul, they heal the mind. This is the God we serve. I told the students, I said, I believe the day will come when I can take the Bible and I'll take its promises just like a medical doctor, just like a medical doctor takes his little valise with the drugs, one drug for one ailment, another for another. I said, this is it. There's a bomb in Gilead, there's a physician there. Ministry of Healing 122, it says so. And then you know what happened? I let it slip. It's an easy thing to let it slip. If God gives you a little light, grab it. Just grasp it. Don't let it go. For my friends, you once get a picture of a wonderful, loving God, and it'll completely change a man's life. I used to go to church as a boy, and I, I took my stand for Jesus at the age of six, and I went to church the next Sabbath, and you know what I heard? I heard about Armageddon, and I backslid. Another Sabbath I went to church and heard about the seven last plagues, and I backslid. Another Sabbath I went and heard about Turkey being driven out of Europe. I said, Lord, Lord, help Turkey not to get out quite yet. I want to get right with you. Well, I heard people talk about the plagues until they were a plague. I heard them talk about pestilence until they were pests. I heard them talk about the time of trouble until they were troublemakers. By beholding, we're changed in the same image. It's time we talked about Jesus Christ and his love. We know the world is in a mess. But my friends, you can talk about the mess till doomsday, and you'll only end up being a mess. 
But you talk about the love of Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus Christ and the willingness of Jesus Christ and that power will infiltrate and fill the heart and we'll find we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. That's what God wants. So I went along. Every once in a while in my ministry, I'd go back to the promises and I'd have fabulous answers. Then I'd forget them. Come back again, fabulous answers. So it went until 1946, 25 years ago and better. We're holding a series of meetings in Rochester, New York. And as an incentive to attendance, we passed out a little leaflet. Don't ask us where it is because I don't know. And the little leaflet contained Bible promises, and the name of the leaflet was What God Hath Promised. It's taken from the fourth chapter of the book of Romans. What God has promised, he's able to fulfill, you remember? And every time I'd have the ushers pass out this leaflet, there's something about that title that impressed my heart. It seemed to impress me more every night. What God has promised, he's able to keep fulfill. Then it sort of, sort of uh, placed all of these... Uh, resolutions and uh, the light that God had given me through the years all together, sort of putting it in a map. I said, what God has promised, he will, he will do. Why in the world haven't I, why haven't I trusted him more? And I said, I'm going to trust the Lord more. I'm really going to live on his promises. What happened to what I told the students back there so many years ago? I was going to really take hold of these promises and share them with people and any problem could be solved. What, what happened to me? I remember I was spending about an hour, an hour and a half in the morning in private devotion. By the way, if you want to love Jesus, take time with him. Many, many Christians are so busy working for Jesus, they don't have any time to love him. God wants us to love him. Just love him. Tell him we love him. Tell him we adore him. Tell him we worship him. It does something to us. And I was taking time with the Lord. I had 165 names. I still remember some of the names on that prayer list. I remember how I'd love them in my prayer. Ask God to draw them nearer to him. And about that time, I read a little book entitled Country Living. <laughs> People at PUC don't need that. You're here. <laughs> and don't you thank God for the direction of God's servant that led out in a lovely spot. Where we are, we drink this lovely spring water. My, thank the Lord for country living. And I got impressed because I was living in the big city of Rochester, and I'd bought a house that didn't even have... A space for garden on it. Can you imagine? And exercise meant everything in the world to me but along the line of physical health. Two doctors had already told me that unless I got more exercise, I was going to die. I was an old man 25 years ago, believe me. And I was thinking about country living. I said, I'm going to move out of this city as sure as you live. So I had for several weeks, and as I made visits, I was keeping my eyes open for a little spot of land out in the country, two, three miles. And and I, I, I was amazed that these big farmers wouldn't sell me even an acre. Not even an acre. <laughs> Not even half an acre. <laughs> I thought, well, those meanies <laughs> wouldn't even sell me an acre. So I said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. <laughs> if I have to, I'll buy a whole farm and sell it all off except an acre because I've got to get exercise or die. <laughs> One morning while I was praying, I thought it was the Lord, came to me and said, Listen, why don't you move out in the country? I said, Well, I've already been here about two years or three, and I belong to the Advent movement. That means preachers keep moving. And, and all they have to do is about five people in the church go and visit the conference president. The president goes to the preacher and said, You know, I think the Lord wants you over yonder somewhere. And I didn't know when the five would meet the president. I knew the Lord knew, but I didn't. 
So I said, Lord, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I might buy a place out there in the country and then find I'd be moved. So I was looking around, couldn't find a spot. So that morning as I was praying, I felt greatly impressed. If I wanted to keep my health, I'd better get out or I could grow a garden. I couldn't play baseball. I didn't play tennis when I worked my way through college. I had to work from 40 to 60 hours a week, manual labor. Father paid $10. It's the most I ever remember he's paying any year. And you know, when you work from 40 to 60 hours work a week in manual labor and take full school work, you've got your hands full. So I hadn't picked up any kind of a sport. The only thing, the way I could get physical exercise was to work in a garden. Not that I could grow a garden, but I could at least work and sweat. So I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to claim a promise. <laughs> Come back to the promises now. I had, really. Matthew 18, 19. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. I said, all right, Lord. I'm going to put a test to you. I said, I have a big church here. We just baptized about 140, plus pastor of a couple churches. I said, Lord, I don't have time to waste. If you want us out in the country, you can help me to find a place today. And if you don't help us to find a place today, I'll know you don't want us there. And then I read the text, and I wrote a letter to the Lord. Did you ever write a letter to the Lord? Imagine sweethearts never writing notes. Sweetheart of the Lord never writing him a note. I wrote him a letter. I'd been preaching for 20 years, never written him a love note before. Can you imagine? I'd talk to him. I said, now, Lord, if you want us out in the country, you'll help us to find a place today. And if we don't, don't find the place today, we're through looking. Two, two must agree, it said. It didn't say they must, but if two do agree. My wife was downstairs doing the laundry. So I took my little love letter down to her. I said, what do you think of this? Isn't this reasonable? If God wants us out in the country, he can help us to find a place today. She said, I agree. Whether she signed the letter or not, I don't recall. It didn't make any difference. I said, okay, you can get ready and we'll go. And you know, she got ready in a hurry. My wife has been getting ready to go with me <laughs> for years. Talk about traveling. I still remember how I proposed to her. I said, you can, you can pack up your things in my suitcase any day. She's been packing up ever since. Just a few minutes, she was ready to go. We went all around the country. Looking for a farm, nothing clicked. Came back at night. She said, I'm going to prepare supper. I said, I'm going to make one last trip. I drove out Route 104, and as I was driving out, I remembered some marvelous miracles God had wrought. Uh, let me stop right here. If God has answered your prayer, never give anybody the impression that it's because you're good. It's not. And don't let anybody praise you for a prayer that God answers. For we don't deserve any praise. The wages of sin is death, and we've all sinned. Our answers to prayer are purely on the basis of God's wonderful love. So I said, I'm going once more, and I began to think, my, I remember at such and such a time, a marvelous answer God gave, and another time, and my heart was just welling up in love, and, and I said very reverently, I said, Lord, I have only a few moments left. If you're going to give me a farm, it must be in the next few moments. And just as I said it, something I thought spoke to my soul, not an audible voice, which was very clear as an impression. Some would say an impression, some would say a, a voice to the soul. Right there's a place. There was a dilapidated house and two dilapidated barns. I thought, well, they fit my purse all right. And I parked my car, and I was so sure that the Lord told me that was a place that I just bounded toward the house. No for sale sign was there. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the place. Can you imagine? 
A minister acting like that? And went up and rang the doorbell, and as I rang the doorbell, I thought, wait, how am I going to say this to the lady? Just suppose now I'm wrong. And I say, how much is the place? And she said, what do you mean the place? So I said, I'll change it. I'll say, is this the place that was for sale? <laughs> so I did, and she looked at me much as to say, how did you know? She said, sir, it is for sale. She said, we gave a man an option on it. He was going to try to get it rezoned for an airfield. And they refused him today. It's available right now. I said, wonderful. Who's who? She said, my husband. I said, where? She said, down there at the grocery. I jumped in my car. And it seemed like I was going by plane. I was so happy just riding on air. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Didn't look it over at all. <laughs> Can you? A minister acting like that. Who <laughs> went over to the grocery store? I said, sir, I understand your place is for sale. He said, yes. How many acres? Eighty? <laughs> Eighty. Think of it. That would be a pretty good-sized garden. <laughs> Eighty acres. I said, how much? He said, $18,000. I said, sold. And I made him a deposit right on, right on the, the moment. Ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why I didn't make twelve. Because I had ten. And I agreed to come back the next week and give him forty more. That would make fifty. <laughs> Imagine. And I said to him, I'm going to testify everywhere I go to the wonderful answer to prayer God gives. And the owner looked at me much as say, are you a kook? <laughs> no, I'm coon. And the next week we made $40 payment and made 50 Had an atheistic attorney make up the papers. And I said, now in so many weeks I'm going to give 3500 more. And the attorney was a very intelligent and a very gracious man. And he said, now, of course, you have the money in the bank. I said, no, I don't. You don't have the money for the 3500 No, I don't. What do you? I don't want to be nosy, the idea, but you know where you're going to get? Oh, yes. I said, I have a place in the city. You have that much equity in it? No, I don't. Well, how are you going to get 3500 out of it if you don't have 35 in it? I said, uh, well, inflation plus I got a bargain. And he blinked about twice, and he said, but suppose you don't have it sold by then. I said, have no fear. I said, Mr. Liebschutz, I'm a minister, and God never lets his children down. And you know, that didn't impress him at all. And he kind of hesitated, and he wanted to be gracious. And he said, but may I ask, just suppose now you don't have it. Have no fear, Mr. Liebschutz. So he put it down. Then after so many more weeks, 6,000 more. And he didn't dare to say, where are you going to get that? He knew if I didn't get the 3500 I wouldn't be worrying about the 6000 We fixed it all up. I was so happy, I got a hold of my, one of my older brothers who lived not far away, my brother Miles Roy. Very gracious man, usually. I said, Miles, I want you to see the place. I, 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 I wrote a letter to the Lord, and my wife agreed, and look at the place the Lord's given me. He looked it over and he said, Glenn, you said you read, wrote a letter to the Lord? I said, yes. Well, he said, if you ask me, I don't think the Lord got his mail that day. And you know, that shook me up. I've learned one thing. Never talk doubt to a human soul. Never talk doubt in God. They may have an answer to prayer, or they may pray differently than you would expect. It may seem, sound insane to us. But my friends, God works in many ways his wonders to perform. And we better not try playing God to anybody. But that shook me up awfully. 
So I said, I've got to have help. I didn't tell him. So I got hold of my brother, David, who lived a little farther away. David, I said, I didn't tell him about the letter. I, I, that, I said, I'm going to forget that. I said, I, I prayed to the Lord to give me a place where I could get exercise, and the Lord marvelously answered my prayer. And he looked it over and he said, you said you asked the Lord? I said, yes. He said, well, if you ask me, the devil answered that prayer. And that shook me up some more. And you know, then I began to, really, I began to tremble. Doubt, spoken doubt, is powerful. Spoken faith is powerful. Numbers 14, 28 says, As you have spoken in mine ears, so I'll do unto you. But thank God he kept me from talking doubt. My brother David said, Glenn, he said, you're presumptuous. You know, I've been amazed how people become specialists in knowing what presumption is when they've never researched it. He said, you're presumptuous. I said, no, 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 I'm not. I thought, I've got to have some help. So I got a hold of my 80-year-old mother and took her out. I said, Mother, look at what the Lord gave me. She looked it all over. She said, Glenn, how much have you paid down? I said, $50. She said, if you'll back out, I'll give you the $50. You know, that scared me more. I said, I've still got to have some help now. I got a hold of the first elder in my church who never scolded me. I brought him out. I knew he wouldn't scold. Brother Kilgore, look over the place. See what God gave me in answer to prayer. And you know, when he looked at it, he didn't say anything that the others said. He laughed a laugh that was so hollow you could have driven a car right through it. <laughs> I'd never heard him laugh like that before in my life. And I knew what it meant. You know, I just dreaded to see my brothers come. They were very much interested in me. My brother David come to see me, and he said, Glenn, don't you put another penny, not one more penny into that place, not one. You're going to lose your shirt. And that was his favorite expression. Every time I'd see him coming, I'd say, oh, Lord, I love him, but farther away, please. And that was a prayer the Lord didn't answer. He still kept coming, because the Lord knew that tribulation works patience. He'd come around, Glenn, I told you you're going to lose your shirt. I just feel it going. I'm telling you, I was so... Trembling when he would get through, I would have to slip away in the woods and put my put my my hands down in the soil and look up to heaven. I said, Lord, in college I studied the story of the stars and I loved astronomy. Lord, you placed every one of them. You're there, Lord. You've never failed. And I picked up a little flower and I said, Oh God, this proves you're there. Where there's law and order and symmetry and means to an end, there's always a mind. Always it postulates mine. I'd pick up a flower and look at that flower, and I said, Lord, this flower proves that you're there, Lord. And the heavens declare your glory. You're there, Lord. No matter what my brothers say, no matter how mother feels, no matter what anybody says, you're there, Lord. And then the devil said, how do you know you weren't presumptuous? You know, when I talk to a group of real little young folks in church school about the second grade, I tell them that when you get an answer to prayer, I say, it makes Satan as mad as the devil. And some of those little girl, children will say, he is a devil. I said, you're right. That's exactly why he gets mad as the devil. He is a devil. He's determined to break your hold on God. He's determined to make you think that God isn't love. That's what the devil's doing. He wants mankind to believe that God will not forgive, that God does not love, that God will carry a grudge, and it's all a lie. God is love. God does forgive. 
God is an ever-loving God. He will never forsake those who will come to him no matter how dark is their past and how crimson are their sins. And I began to study everything I could on prayer and faith and presumption. I got all of some good books. My, they would stimulate my faith. If you want faith, talk faith, read about faith. Read the promises of God. Read what other men have done. It'll strengthen your faith. When it came time for the $3,500 to be paid, I'd sold my house and got enough out of it. I proudly came to the lawyer and said, here's the $3,500. And you know, he was relieved. But he didn't think a bit more about the Lord. He just thought I was clever. And there's a terrific temptation. My friend, my dear friend tonight, please, under God, don't let anybody tell you you're clever. We've got a wonderful God. And we owe it to God to give him every bit of credit for anything he ever did for us. I've known of people who stopped smoking. They said, that was my willpower. It wasn't God. Friends, the very will comes from God. Philippians 2.13, it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do. And, and God gives a man a will to stop smoking, and then the man won't even give God the glory. I say, that's, that's tragic. What do you say? Tell men and women it came from God. I told him it came from God. Well, a few more months, and then I had to have 6,000 more. I didn't have any more house and lot to sell. I read everything I could on prayer. I would tremble. I would go out there in the woods. I'd put my hands in the soil. I would sob out to God. I'd pick up those little flowers, and I'd say, Lord, I know you're there. Anything that has beauty and law and order, means to an end, symmetry, these things, these things always postulates mind. I know you're there. Nobody but, but a mind could create this, create this flower. And these trees and the stars and the heavens, it's a mind, and I choose to call this mind the name that the Bible calls it, God. I know you're there. I said, now, Lord, you've got to come to my rescue if I've made any mistake in this thing. If I was presumptuous, I'll let you out of it immediately. And I went over step by step by step, and I found during this time I had had a wonderful walk with God. He was very dear to me, and I was very dear to him. When I got that place, I said, Lord, I can't find where I was presumptuous. If I could, wouldn't I back out? But I can't back out unless I can find a reason where I'm to blame instead of you. I cannot back out on you. And when I would tell the Lord that, I found something happening inside. God was blessing me. I wouldn't back out on God. The, dark, the, the, the future looked very dark. I couldn't see anything ahead except bankruptcy. And then my brother would come just in time to put on that little extra fear. Glenn, you're going to lose your shirt. I've told you, don't put another penny into it. Oh, and I would tremble. Then I'd get out there in the, out there in the woods and stick my hands down in the dust. And I said, oh, God, thank you. You're there. God is not a man that he should lie. Oh, how many times I quoted it. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? Lord, you're not lying. You're not failing me. Mother would say, Glenn, you're going to be an infidel. I'm going to be what? I'm so afraid you're going to be an infidel. I said, why? She said, you're expecting so much from God. 
When you don't get it, you're going to turn your back on him. I said, I'm going to get it, Father. I'm going to get it. God is not going to let me down. She said, son, the way you got that place. Oh, you mean, I thought I heard God telling me, yes. I said, mother, let me ask you a question. I said, I have a son, as you know, by the name of Glenn Jr. I said, suppose someday Glenn and I were talking together, and I said, Glenn, you walk north. And somehow he misunderstood and thought, I said, you go south. And he started south, believing with all his heart that that is what I told him to do. I said, would I whip my son for going in the direction I, he thought I told him? Even though it was the opposite direction, would I punish him? Mother, would I? She said, well, no. I said, will my God in heaven who gave his son to die for me, will he punish me? for doing what I thought he told me to do, even though he didn't tell me that at all? Will he punish me for doing exactly what I thought? Well, I guess not. I know he won't, Mother. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. And while I was praying this and sweating this out with God, I thank God one thing he helped me not to do. He helped me never to talk doubt. You talk doubt, and it cancels the whole prayer out. No matter how the a future looks, no matter what circumstances are, say, I know that God loves me. I know he's forgiven me. No matter what the devil says, I know I'm his child. He's told me I'm his child. He's told me though my sins are scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. I know God lives. I know God loves. I know God forgives. Oh, it does something inside. One day I reached up into my library, and it shows how God helps. I put down a book. I'd read that book through the years often. But I found this. You can read anything spiritual that has a solution to the problems of life. Until you feel your dire need, that won't mean one thing. Now I picked down the book, Education. And his own angel opened to page 253. I was pleading with God for a way out. And there I began to read. It says, in the prayer of faith, I'm quoting, in the prayer of faith, there is a divine science. I said, I've been preaching for 20 years, and I never once ever referred to the prayer of faith as a science. Never once. Never once. The, in the prayer of faith, there's a divine science. Then it went on, and I quote, It is a science that everyone who would make his life work a success must understand. I said, Oh, God, teach me this science. I, I'm in dire need. Then it said this, as surely, this is pages 253 to 258. And it said, as surely as the oak tree is in an acorn. I said, an oak tree is in an acorn. What does that mean? An oak tree is an acorn? Later I learned that in every acorn there's, there are two, three departments of an oak tree. Trunk, two leaves, and roots. In every normal apple seed there are three departments of an apple tree. Trunk, two leaves, and roots. Some seeds contain the, the three departments, but only one leaf. But the three departments are there. And then it said this. If we receive the promise, we have the gift. And then it said this. For, I'm quoting. For any gift that he's promised, we may ask. Then we're to believe that we receive and return thanks to God that we have received. I said, there it is. There's the science. By this time, it was six day, five days before I had to have $6,000. I fell on my knees and I said, Lord, I'm going to find a promise now for $6,000. That's what I owe now in five days. 
Where did it say y'all give Glenn Cohn $6,000? You know, I did just what I'm doing now. But you know, I wasn't laughing. My heart was weeping. God said, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The reason why many people don't find God is they don't search for him with all their heart. And I was just crying out to God, Lord, I've learned something about the science. Where's the promise? I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the word $6,000 anywhere. I said, Lord, I'll settle for anything that means that. I said, now, Lord, you know I need $6,000 in five days. And just like an angel opened to it, Philippians 4.19. That's why I love it so much. Philippians 4.19. Oh, it's precious to me. My God shall supply all your need. I said, Lord, that's exactly what I need, $6,000. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I asked God to give me the 6000 and I believed it, as it said, and I returned thanks that I had received, and I got up from my knees. How much do you suppose I found? I didn't find a dime. I said, Lord, what's wrong? Oh, he said, I'll supply your need. You don't need it for five days. I said, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Here, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get a guarantee from the Lord, an insurance. <laughs> as though I couldn't trust him five days from now, I had to have it now. Isn't that the way we act? We just get impatient. Lord, hurry up now, hurry up. God isn't in any hurry. He'll keep his word. I said, okay, I'll do the same thing every day just to get in practice. This is a new science to me. Next day I prayed the same prayer. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need. I can't tell you the surging of my soul. I can't tell you. And I told God, I know you're hearing. Got up from my knees not a penny. Now I wasn't worried so much because I remember there's still a few more days. I prayed the same prayer every day. Now the day came. I fell on my knees and I said, now, Lord, I need it today. <laughs> not tomorrow. I need it today. And I asked you to do it. I was trembling. All inside, I was weeping. You know, it isn't a sin, it isn't a sin to tremble. It isn't a sin to weep. But it's a sin to talk doubt. Don't talk doubt in God. He gave Jesus Christ to die for us. Don't ever talk doubt. If you can't understand God, look to Calvary. He didn't have to give Jesus to die, but he did. And that takes care of all the things we can't understand now. You see. So I... Now the day was there. I fell on my knees and I wept. I asked God with all my soul. And I believed with all my soul, and I thanked God I'd received. And I rose to my knees. How much do you suppose I found? Not a penny. And that was the crisis of my life. That was the thing that Mother was afraid of. When I rose to my knees and there wasn't a penny, I said, Lord, I did what the science explanation called for. Where do I go from here? And you know, the Lord's so good. If we seek him with all our heart, he will lead us. And the Lord, it came to me just like this. When you were a boy out on the farm in the haying season, when the hay was put up in the barn and, it was <clears throat> and the smell of the new mown hay is so wonderful, the hens would like to steal their nests way up under those rafters. And sometimes there were 20 and 30 and 40 eggs there. But the hens laid them, but the hens didn't bring them into you. You went out and gathered them. 
Seek and ye shall find. The, 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 the birds, the little baby birds, only little birds, open their mouths and let mother bring it to them. Mature birds go out and get it. So I'm not to be a baby bird now and say, Lord, bring me the $6,000 and put it in my purse. Seek and you will find. I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to seek. I said, Lord, I haven't the slightest idea where to look. I don't know where to look for $6,000. And then the Lord came to my rescue again. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you. And if you ever read a thing that's beautiful, it's that. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And I jumped in my car and I said, Lord, if there's a fool on earth, it would, it would, be, it would be me right now. If it weren't, that I believe that promise. I said, imagine a preacher getting in a car, not knowing where he's going, to get $6,000. Imagine. I said, people call me an idiot. But I said, Lord, I ask you to instruct me and teach me and guide me with your eyes. Psalm 32, 8. And Lord, I believe you're doing it. And I thank you I've received it. I started down the road toward Rochester. I went to Culver Road and I turned left. I felt impressed to turn left. After I turned left and went about a block, the devil caught up. <laughs> He said, how do you know the Lord impressed you to turn left? I said, because the gift is in the promise. And I kept on going. And I went to Main Street, and I felt impressed to turn right. And after I got a block down Main Street, the devil said, how do you know the Lord impressed you? I said, because the gift is in the promise. And I kept on going. And before I realized it, there was one place to park. And I drove there, put my nickel in the slot, the parking meter, and I looked up above me. And there were the offices of my atheistic lawyer. I said, oh, no, Lord, you don't mean you brought me to this lawyer to get money. You, 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 you give money to them. You don't get it. And I could just feel the Lord saying, I, I'm guiding you. You know, we, we try to guide the Lord. I'm guiding you. Walk up. But, Lord, this man, you can't even have an appointment without days in advance. He's the president of a big law firm and the president of a big bank. Keep on going. I'm in charge. I ran up the stairway, almost ran up. The girl at the desk said, Mr. Leap shuts right in his office. Walk right in. <coughs> Clear sailing. <laughs> Walked right in, talked about the weather for a few minutes. I said, Mr. Leap shuts, where can I borrow $6,000 for three months on my personal note? He said, down here at the bank. But he didn't point to his bank, and that bothered me. I said, they don't know me very well at that bank. Picked up his telephone, had his office girl give the number. Give me Bill so-and-so. In a matter of 10 seconds... I heard him talking to Bill. Bill, Dr. Kuhn is in here. Will you loan him $6,000? He didn't say, will you? He said, loan him $6,000 on his signature for three months. Thank you, Bill. It was done in, three, in 10 seconds. And then he looked at me much as say, now, since this is taken care of, what have you, what's the problem? And I thought, that's the way it is with the Lord. We say, Lord, I have a great big problem. He said, okay, I'll take care of that. Now, what is the problem? And my problem was to get the bank before Mr. Bill changed his mind. So I closed up my conversation as quickly as I could, walked down took about three steps at a time down the stairway where nobody could see me. Got out on the street. I walked as fast as I could. I didn't dare to run unless they might, the police might catch up and say, what is this? Walked, walked to the bank. When I got to the bank, I straightened up. Tried to act as dignified as I could. Met this Mr. Bill. I said, my name is Kuhn. When you borrow 6,000, always bend from your hips. <laughs> Mine is Kuhn. He said, oh, yes, Dr. Kuhn. Just put your name on, on the note here. Do you want it in cash, or do you want it deposited to your account? I didn't even I didn't have an account there. And I said to myself, if he gives it to me in cash and I get halfway out of this bank, he said, wait a minute, I've never seen you before. 
he might say, give it back. So I said, I'll, I'll deposit it. Because I knew after it was deposited, I could make the check any time. It didn't make any difference where. <laughs> so I opened an account for $6,000. And I got a free checkbook. I went back home, made a check for $6,000. You know how much I had left? All of the checkbook, except one check. That's all. At the end of three months, I made a payment, renewed it again, paid it off. I said, Lord, how good you are. I went to the banker one day and I said, do you loan preachers money like that? And he smiled. He said, you know what our policy is? I said, no, tell me. He said, this is our policy. No preacher gets any loan from us at any time unless he has five signatures and they must be of property owners. And then he let that soak in and then he said, and then they don't usually get it. Not even did my wife sign that note. I said, Lord, how good you are. You've taught me something about the science of prayer. I said, now, dear Lord, I have a feeling that this is just some kindergarten stuff. I believe the real thing is the spiritual life. Not long after we went to Madison College as pastor there, I said, I'm going to open an office down the city, and any spare moment I can get, an hour or two a week, I'm going to put an ad in the paper and tell people, I'm going to advertise. Anybody who has any problem can come into this office and I'll give him free counsel. There are enough promises to go around for every problem. 3,573. <laughs> you know, before we could ever work it out, we're called to this college and that academy and this church and the other. We've been traveling 25 years telling men and women that God's good. The ABCs of prayer are not something, not some hokum pokum. They're not something that we put God in the corner with. Our God is more eager to hear than we are to ask. It's not some legalistic entanglement. We say, now, Lord, I did this and you've got to do this. My friends, we can't even fulfill the conditions without God's grace. It all comes from him. Thank God for it. Right away I began to share promises with backsliders and they began to turn to the Lord in all directions. They've been doing it ever since. Father in heaven, thank you, dear Lord, for your love. I thank you, Lord, through the years that you've given me health and strength of which I'm so undeserving. Oh, God, how good you are. Dear Lord, if there's a father, a mother, a boy, a girl, a student, whoever it is tonight, has never learned how really fabulously good God is, may that one just take my little experience and say, Lord, if you'll do it for this preacher, you'll do it for me. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.